0: I think about us, the three of us, what we could be. I think about it all the time. Please, it's dear. No, it's not. I know Jim. She's my friend. I care about her. How's your day going? You look pretty. Thanks. I wore it just for you.
1: Her father's a driver named Nick. He helped me to survive. Yes, you can, because I can't lose you. I'm
2: not going to let
0: anything happen to you. What about you? Your girlfriend is a badass.
2: Welcome to Above the Garage, a Nick and June, the Handmaid's Tale podcast. Hi, friends. Today we are going to be discussing A Woman's Place, season one, episode six of The Handmaid's Tale. So let's do our round of introductions and get started.
3: Hi, I'm Dee Dee. Hi, I'm Scarlett.
2: Hi, I'm Ginger. Hi, I'm Marigold. And I'm Kate. So this episode, I love how it starts out because I very much enjoyed the end of the last episode and it is her remembering her scene in Nick's apartment in episode five. And also um, I'm trying to start paying attention to the previews as well, because I think that's kind of relevant to what they explore, obviously, to what they explore in that episode. And in this one, it ends with her remembering what else is there to live for, love, and then it launches immediately into Nick and June's sex scene. And she says, once, actually twice for him, two times for me, almost three, so close. Doesn't matter, it can never happen again. Sorry, Nick, (laughs) (laughs) do you guys have thoughts on that? I like the water um,
1: parallel they do when she's talking and it focuses on the water flowing on the river. Obviously she's very satisfied. She looks at peace, she looks happy. But the water, like there's a lot of water parallels in this, in this episode. Mm -hmm. So
2: much imagery in the water, the the waterfall of washing the blood off the wall, the river, the bath, like so much water, like you said.
0: Nick asking her if she wants a glass of water. Oh my (laughs) (laughs)
2: Mm gosh, I hadn't put that one in there, but you're right. Absolutely. Do you have any other thoughts on the water? I've been like trying to think through it today and I don't have, I haven't gotten there yet. Despite being an English major.
3: Well, I think the cinematography, first of all, in this show, it's just insane, but it's so crazy how they're cleaning blood off a wall. And then they see that big push of water that like, you know, gushes all the blood down and it's disgusting, but it's beautiful the way they film that. You know?
4: <laughs> but it's like being washed clean, right? So like kind of like her lovemaking with Nick, it just, it's a new start. It's like all that blood and awfulness is washed away. And then it's a fresh start.
3: Janine also says when they're, you know, once they're, you know, when they're cleaning everything, she says, I guess you get used to things being one way. So it's kind of interesting because she says that and then the water comes down and it's like you're starting to see things change in this episode.
2: Right. Uh, And I think that like the river is kind of like changing, you know, water, like, like you said. And also when she said that, it reminded me, I was like, wait, somebody said something like this recently. And it was Lydia um, earlier in an episode said normal, normal is just what you're used to. uh, Similar ideas i love that scene too of cleaning the wall for company
4: that's coming right it's like gilead knows that there will be people there inspecting their normal and they actually have a little tidying up to do gotta hide the bodies gotta hide (laughs) political work gotta wash the blood off the wall like i just i love that that's that's some toxic family imagery there right like it's like Do not tell anybody about the murders. Do not tell anybody (laughs) about the rape. I like you're happy. It reminds me of my family growing up very much. Like, smile for the picture. You gotta like (laughs) walkie. You know, I love that. Which is
3: funny, though, because, you know, I feel like Gilead thinks that every time the commanders or anyone speaks, they think they're doing the right thing, and they think they're superior to everyone, and this is the way it should be, yet here we are cleaning for company and getting rid of the bodies and the blood so they don't know what's going on so it's kind of like they're showing their two two faces
2: yeah because like later he's like they looked at us like we're fucking freaks and like we shouldn't have invited the wives so yeah i think they're they pretend not to be but they're aware
4: fred you got some got your introspection got some internal work to do that we can't do for you (laughs) they're Um, just
1: justifying their 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 fake morality that's what they're doing they're justifying that they're saving people and doing
4: the right thing isn't Alma the one who's just like whatever I'm gonna go she like doesn't give a shit about that the Gilead sayings and stuff she's like whatever guys I'm out you know like she she's she's, yeah. she's always yeah. just Alma yeah
0: I always well, then, loved like how like brave she was like tell me what you know about like yeah. the the foreign
2: ambassadors coming mm-hmm. and she's always so. herself like I've never yeah. seen anybody hold on to herself so strongly and survive she's yeah. always
3: trying to get June to look for information mm-hmm.
2: yes yeah.
3: Yeah. I thought it was funny too because you know speaking of how blunt she is she had said because June was asking her how she knew all this and she said small dick big mouth like the rest of the commanders yeah her <laughs> own commander yeah I'm right. like oh it's just her bluntness it's just I love it's it. like comedic relief we need I adore her her and Janine
2: mm-hmm. I absolutely love Nina Carey She's even awesome.
0: like the other like regular handmaids I can't remember all of their names they're all like just so awesome so yeah. in the next scene with june in the bathtub
2: yes yeah, so it goes from there to the in the
0: bath i mean she obviously was going to was masturbate she <laughs> <laughs> and i love that rita knocks on the door and june says
2: coming yeah so yeah. just
0: kind of like a little double entendre um, i thought ridiculous. that was really like cheeky and
2: fun Uh I also like how she says awesome yeah yeah she's like Mrs. Waterford wants to see you and you can see them like finally starting to Mm -hmm. be a little more friendly with each other Mm -hmm. so I enjoy that a lot
3: so we left at the river with the water and if you think of she's thinking of Nick and there's a rush of water which leads right into (laughs) the water in the bathtub where she's also thinking of Nick But it's also interesting, too, because you see the blood in the wall, like, coming off the wall, Mm -hmm. and then goes right into the bathtub, like, coming off of her.
2: Next, she goes to Serena's bedroom for the first, I think, non-ceremony time. Why do you think she rubs her hand on, like, the bedpost for so long when she enters the room? Any ideas?
3: I think, so the episode is called A Woman's Place. So, like, Mm -hmm. the theme of this episode seems to be, like, June and Serena and comparing their power and I feel like June is kind of like feeling powerful. Cause she's just had this, this moment with Nick, right. This night with him. And now she's thinking about him. So I feel like she's feeling powerful, which I, there's a couple other examples that I can talk about later that I saw in the episode, but, so mm-hmm. I feel like she's rubbing the pole because she's feeling like the power, like Fred, you know, trying mm-hmm. to test it out. And now that. she's in Serena's room alone and you can even during that conversation you can kind of see them going head to head like June is obviously feeling pretty confident right now in this scene she's um staring at the at the cushion she stares i mean and and the camera focuses on the cushion
1: as well as she's touching the bed but as you were saying at the end of the conversation you know when Serena tells her to leave she stays like she kind of defies her and stays for like an extra second and Serena's looking at her like what the fuck mm-hmm. is she doing and I love that because she's already starting to push forward against the wonderful
3: Serena Joy.
2: Yeah and that's not even her first time in that scene I think when she said um, red's my color you know she's mm-hmm. stepping out of handmade boundaries.
3: And then Serena tells her it's lucky yeah which I feel like is like a low-key threat maybe.
2: Uh, yeah I, I don't know if they're actually maybe being friendly joking for one no nah, you're right it's probably threatening
3: <laughs> serena i also feel like too like Ju- i feel like when june's talking to serena she's getting that like that voice she gets when she talks with fred where mm-hmm. she's kind of play acting but fred always falls for it and serena doesn't fall for it at all which okay. I, again like and i guess that we could talk about it later in the episode where you kind of see that comparison big time in this episode between serena and fred and how different they are you know
2: but mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
3: so i thought that was interesting that she she tried that voice with her because clearly serena's not going to fall for that
2: yeah i had the same note though like um, when she dismisses her and june doesn't leave right away that like her little rebellions are just piling up right now rapidly um i think probably her night with nick has given her a lot of confidence so then serena as she's starting to walk down the stairs remembers their relationship her relationship with fred from before and i think this is the first time is this the first time we get flashbacks from anyone but june or yeah can- i think so yeah i think so so fred says he needs to be romance. you can write me a poem so he's always been needy and then they pray as they're stripping which is really weird to me i don't know maybe you guys do that um but we don't hear <laughs> also like, are they actually religious now i've never seen any actual evidence of them being truly religious except pure like empty evil.
0: i feel like like they only use religion in the sense that they're praying to god because they want a baby like i've never seen either fred or serena like
3: ever pray to god for any other reason so yep yep. that's a really good point yeah because i mean besides your like your praise be and all that crap mm -hmm, yeah that's true it's always when the there's a baby involved
1: well the the whole base of gilead is based on religious interpretation and conservative family values so it it ties to that what they're doing and their belief that you know if they pray to god they're going to get a baby for some odd reason
4: and like they're not praying to better themselves and they're not praying to become better people or become humble or the things that would go along with like christian prayer right like Mm -hmm. they're praying for this it's almost like you could do that with money too like if you could have a whole cult that uses religious words like for money or power or fame or whatever and it's it's yeah they just cherry pick the parts they want for the thing they want but it has Mm -hmm. nothing to do with actual spirituality which
3: shows that it's a cult though because that's what all of these do because if they actually were real christians and read the bible gilead would look completely different (laughs) like nothing they're doing is actually like what god would want them to do
1: that happens every day though Unfortunately, mm-hmm. so, you know, they use the idea of salvation and the idea of your, you know, superior sense of morality to control the masses. So it's, it's a very good uh, tactic. It's worked throughout the <laughs> history. I think it's interesting, too, that,
0: like, you can see that Serena's kind of missing her old life as she's reminiscing. And then when she comes down the mm-hmm. stairs, you can tell that she, like, wants affection from Fred. She's like, you look handsome. And Fred just kind of, like, dismisses her. And it's just just interesting to me that she still wants that from Fred, but Fred just doesn't seem to want it
3: back. Well, that's true, though, because she's, there's, what, two sex scenes between her and Fred in this episode? And I think mm-hmm. was it was episode five or four where she's trying to help Fred when he's struggling yeah. in the during you know to get yeah, it yeah, up on
2: ceremony yeah. it and
3: up. she's trying to help him and like yeah. i almost felt bad for her because she's trying to connect with her husband and he doesn't want it and now in this episode again she's reminiscing to when he used to want her because he really mm-hmm. i mean in those flashbacks he was totally into her yeah and now like he doesn't even want to pretend she exists half the time you know like she's mm-hmm. a little trophy wife now
1: I like how she she tells them they're coming to a powerful commander's house. Let them be nervous. Mm-hmm. And that's how she set. Like Serena has always had the control.
3: I oh. noticed an interesting parallel. You see Serena walking down the stairs holding onto the railing and she's looking at Fred and she looks sad. And then you see June walking down the stairs holding onto the railing and she sees Nick and she looks happy. And I feel like this is another comparison between her and Serena and their power because Serena's feeling weak, but June is feeling pretty powerful again because she has the Nicoline drug running through her veins.
2: Yeah, no, that's a pretty so, good. I thought that was really
3: interesting. I never really caught that before. Uh-oh, that's
2: great. And we get to go to my favorite, my my moment that made me ship Nick and June. So June comes down to wait outside the ambassador meeting. Nick's already there, and. He starts just blatantly flirting with her in front of a billion people milling about important people, and it makes me happy.
4: Yeah, I love, I love this moment. Like Nick is still, (laughs) like, never ended for him. Like he was brushing his teeth this morning. He was like, "Yeah, June," (laughs) and then he like gets dressed and he's like, "Fuck yeah, I've got a girlfriend. She likes me." And she walks down the stairs, and he instantly though is like you know, in emoji sentences with the clapping hands, he's like, I like you, I want to be your boyfriend. You know, like, <laughs> so smooth though,
3: He really is smooth. Like his lines were just like, sexy. how's your day yeah. going?
4: But the other thing I like is that there's, I, I see all the levels there. He wants to be her friend and make funny banter with her and joke around. Ha ha. How's your day going? Blah, blah, blah. He wants to be her, like, sweet boyfriend with the little hearts all around him. Like, do you like me? Check yes or no. You know, do you want to go to prom? Like, Mm -hmm. and then also that there's this, like, scorching hot chemistry between them that they can feel even through the brush of a finger. It's like an electric current between their bodies. And it's visceral. Even watching that scene, the way they play it, like, literally, I think in the script, it says that, like, Nick is having trouble breathing. (laughs) I think
3: it's cute, too, though, because it's... It's such a sweet scene, but it feels like they're a normal couple for a second. Like you forget that Gilead exists and it just feels like they're just a boy and a girl and he's telling her she's pretty. And, you know, they're bantering and I just, you know, you don't, obviously you don't get that in the show. So I thought that was just, it felt normal for a minute before she goes
4: into like the Inquisition. Yeah, right. And that's that moment where he goes, you look pretty. And she's almost like rolling her eyes. Like I'm wearing a fucking handmade gown. This thing is like <laughs> burlap, you know, yeah. like, like. And she wears like, every day. Yeah. Or just for you, you know, and, and, he's, and he's basically like, yeah, you'd look better with nothing. Yeah. I mean, like, no, that's not the line, but like, I like you naked. Dude's flirting with her in a handmade gown. Totally. Okay? Yeah. Have you ever guys ever seen I Heart Huckabees? Anyway, mm-hmm. there's this movie where the, the, there's this girl and she finds this new boyfriend. She, she starts wearing bonnets from like Little House on the Prairie and she's talking to her ex and she's like he's like I love you and she's like do you love me in the bonnet and he's like (laughs) "Mm -hmm." and she's like he loves me in the bonnet and I always think about that with Nick and June (laughs) Nick loves her in the bonnet in the bonnet I love it well it's
3: funny because when I first saw that scene and he said you shouldn't wear anything for me I actually first didn't think like the literal like you shouldn't you literally should just be naked I actually first thought he meant like you shouldn't worry about how you look to me because I don't care that's so like i don't know wh- i don't know why but that's how i took it first yeah so then like the more that i've watched the scene i thought about it and really you could take it both ways and it fits yeah. their relationship i think both it's ways. true
2: both ways yeah yeah i mean absolutely like and she knows that you know which also goes along or... with
3: him giving her body autonomy like he did you know in their first scene together well their ending scene together in episode five where he's again like giving her autonomy like you do you boo i love you still you know mm-hmm.
0: I also love in the scene when when fred opens the door and he's like nick bring mm-hmm. her in nick like looks back to her and then mm-hmm. he has this like subtle look of like annoyance on his face like i really have to go along with this shit like it it's just so funny like i
2: feel like he translates it into a question almost to her like like waterford orders. yeah her. he's like kind of, kind of like cool
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly
2: he gives right. her a look like, okay, you ready? Yep. Which is not what was intended by Waterford. So like.
3: You could already see them having that conversation with their eyes, which is
2: mm-hmm.
3: key to how they've always been, you know?
2: Mm-hmm. Totally. Bad. Okay. So then June comes into the ambassador meeting and she immediately trips up when she assumes that the ambassador is the man and she's flustered and I'm positive hating herself for having Gilead seep so deeply into her mind that she did not consider that the ambassador could be the woman. And she asks, what is your given name? And she's perfectly, you know, handmade. I don't... She pauses. She hesitates enough with every question to show how unhappy she is, whether the ambassador chooses to ignore that or not. It is very evident in her pauses and her face. And she says, I don't use that anymore. And then, did you choose to be a handmaid? another oh. long hesitation threatening look from from fred obvious lie from june and immediate like shame like she looks down
0: i also love that um when the ambassador asks june if she's happy it immediately cuts to nick afterwards oh. mm-hmm.
2: and he's not looking straight ahead like he normally is he's worried about her and he's looking at yeah
0: her. he's like oh shit like what are you gonna, she say? gonna do like, <laughs> you can tell that he's always has this like Protective nature about him with June. Like, he Mm -hmm. wants, he's like, say the right thing. You can just see, like, in his mind, like, don't say anything that's going to get you killed
2: or. He literally just wants to keep her alive, you know? Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. I literally I counted the hesitation I counted the pause on this one cuz mm-hmm. it was a little bit extreme. It was 20 seconds. 20 Mississippi's before she answers wow. that question. <laughs> I I don't know <laughs> if it long. was slowed down in like a thinking like slow-mo. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But if not, that is insane. 20 yeah. seconds I- before she miserably says I have found happiness. Obviously, she's thinking about Nick and that's the way she's found, you know, true way to answer this question. But you can see she's miserable so the ambassador trying to pretend like she believes it is bullshit to me her hands
1: are clenched like hard like after she answers also for for like a while like you can Mm -hmm. see that she was trying very hard to play the part yeah
2: yeah we've moved from her like happy finger touching with nick like moments before to her digging her nails into her hands and showing extreme stress so Mm -hmm. the hands in the show sometimes show more
4: and then I was thinking, um, it's it's very much, it reminds me of two things. One, a hostage situation, like, you know, God knows old 90s movies where there's, like, someone's doing, like, proof of life. Someone's been, like, kidnapped by a terrorist. They're like, he's here, he's fine. It's like, say you're fine, say you're fine. There's a gun to their head. And they're like, I'm fine, everything's cool, you know. That's exactly what the scene is. With mm-hmm. And it's so fucking torturous to watch because that would be her chance to notify outsiders that she is very much not okay but it is very clear from the scene with Serena beforehand to the fucking armed dudes in the room like she actually can't and it's hard to navigate that and I think Elizabeth Moss did an amazing job like that would have been her moment and 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 it's easy to for people to quarterback from the audience and go like tell them tell them you're miserable or like Nick should just drive off with her or something. It's like, they would be dead within seconds. Mm -hmm. They would be tortured Mm -hmm. That's it. Like she can't, she actually can't. And that 20 Mississippis, I think is her running those odds. Like, is there a way for me to say that I'm miserable, that they won't hear? Like, you know, I have found some happiness here. She's like, I have to say yes. How do I say yes? And then she sees Nick and she's like, sometimes I'm happy. Like, for example, last night, wink, you know, like. That's actually
0: um, in the script notes that, they cut it out that she had a flashback of Nick
1: after
3: that. Which I think that's smart of her too, though, because I guess technically she's not lying if she's right. looking at him and saying, I've found some happiness because mm-hmm. she has. But overall, are you happy? No. I mean, if she said yes, like I think it helps her live with herself more saying I've found happiness. So that way you get like Fred who's giving her the death stare. He's happy right. and Serena's happy that she played along. But in her own mind, right. I think it's like, I can't lie, but this is how I'm saving my own ass right now.
2: What you just said reminded me of, I think, what actually set her off and gave her the courage to tell the ambassador the truth was what she, what did she say? Thank you for your candor. I think that that Mm -hmm. is what I ultimately was like, oh no, that was not candor, you know. Okay, but back to where we are. They go to the sitting room after dinner and there the Mexican ambassador kind of calls Serena out. And I I think you have the transcript, right, Scarlett? You want to read that? Never mistake a woman's meekness for weakness. Clever.
1: Yes, it is. It's from a woman's place. My wife's book. And Fred makes this face like, fuck. He did. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then the ambassador says, I reread it on the plane. Such a thoughtful argument for domestic feminism, as it was called. Thank you. That's very kind. I heard you speak once at a rally before the war. You were very passionate. And she says, women were abandoning their families, and we needed to make a change. We were running out of time. You were arrested for inciting a riot, if I recall. I had a temper in those days. Back then, did you ever imagine a society like this? And Serena tries to clap back and says, a society that has reduced its carbon emissions by 78% in three years. And the ambassador says, a society in which a woman can no longer read your book or anything else. (laughs)
4: What I love about that moment is it is the same Serena Joy in that same body. And she has lived in two different societies. And it just highlights the fact that Gilead is not, it's just one society. It's just an experiment. And actually there was an alternate universe where she could read and write and be a bad bitch and incite riots and actually be a leader And now she is meek with her hands folded, leaving when her husband tells her to go. And is that really power? And it's not. And it infuriates Serena.
1: People forget that she did, basically, she did the whole propaganda for what Gilead becomes. You know, like somebody told me on Reddit the other day, "Uh, she's a victim. She only wrote a book. (laughs) Like, okay, you're not getting it. You know, like if you see this episode... And once we, I mean, after this scene, we skip to the flashback of the movie theater. And I'm going to read the dialogue there when we get to that point. That's very important for the people that say that Serena had nothing to do. Serena and Fred were the people that yeah. basically proposed the takeover.
3: It's written there. It's in the dialogue. And I love that they made the ambassador for Mexico a woman. I mean, that was definitely done on purpose because it's mm-hmm. showing she's running this country. She's, you know high up in this country and they are looking for fertility resources and all that but here you have a woman and she's powerful and she's kind of got I guess in a way similar interest with Serena as far as like you know fertility and having more babies being born and then you have Serena who used to be that way and thought that's what she was going to get and she didn't get that at all
4: yeah like the image versus the reality just like with with sexiness and marriage and attraction image and reality right Serena descends the stairs and her frigid husband is staring at the floor June descends the stairs and her you know scorching hot lover is already listening for her steps and staring at her and he says hey you know like like it's just like it's almost like two women proceeding through a the same level but with completely separate like experiences. And it's so funny that June is supposed to be the servant and she's free in this episode and empowered and activated. And Serena is supposed to be in power and she's just getting humiliated and ignored. And what an, inc- what an intense episode. I hadn't thought about it till that moment. Yeah. I hadn't literally thought about it on that level, but like Serena is supposed to be the boss and she's just getting screwed. And June is supposed to be the servant. She's like living her best life.
3: I feel like with these flashbacks, and then with the scene she has with Nick in this episode, they're comparing how Serena's relationship with Fred is and how that affects her, where she used to be powerful and she wore the pants in a the relationship. Then you have Nick and June, where every interaction they have in this episode ends up empowering her in the next very next scene for all of these interactions. And that's how it's been since the season started, where he gives her the body autonomy, he gives her the power. Like... Like he gives it in a way where inwardly she feels powerful. He doesn't have to say anything to her. He mm-hmm. doesn't have to give her a pep talk or anything, mm-hmm. but just the way he makes her feel and the way that he respects her and sees her as a woman and lets her talk, like when he lets her vent at the end of this episode, mm-hmm. that gives her the the confidence and the power to build up to be, you know, the, the rebel that she's becoming.
2: Yeah, we see that a lot in this episode. So flashback to Friends Serena pre-Gilead. FBI has been following Fred and Serena orders him to go out. So she's still being the alpha here in the scene and they get to the movies and he's even, you know, she has this idea for a second book, fertility as a national resource, reproduction as a moral imperative. And he said, that's a great idea for your second book. You should write it. And then immediately he finds that it's happening. They issued the orders, what we propose, three separate attacks, Congress first, then the White House, then the Supreme Court in three weeks. Praise B is what Serena says. Yes. Crazy. Yes. So she won't Things be writing that change. second
1: book. No, she doesn't have to. I mean, right. they use the fertility as, right. as as a natural resource crisis in order to be able to convince people.
2: The movie's a war movie. Like you hear the shooting. It's kind of a... Mm. Uh, oh, it's so creepy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Fred tells her there's still going to be a lot of pain. And she says there's pain now, so much of it. We're saving them. We're doing God's work. There it is. The justification mm-hmm. of... I'm going to, I have the moral right to save people because I know better. I am morally superior because I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. And that's how I justify, even though it clearly says in the Bible that the salvation is individual, just like free will, but let's interpret it in a
4: different way. Right. No, it's definitely that like white settler, colonialist privilege shit thing of like, know. where it's like, We're gonna save your souls. We're gonna colonize your place, and it's now our place. And you don't know because you're like backwoods, whatever. And we're gonna save you because we know better because we're connected to God, the God, right? And it's just such a like. um, You're right, exactly. She's like, we're gonna go hurt people and take away their free will and force them to do terrible things.
2: Shall we go to a happy moment?
4: Sure. Yes. Yeah. Yes. The best scene is next. The wall kiss (laughs) of one six. It is the hottest kiss I've ever seen. And a lot of us say that. I've seen a lot of kisses. What was it about this one? Number one, the fact that it couldn't be stopped. It just, it was happening and somebody might've walked up there and what would have happened to the driver if he had been caught kissing the handmaid in the hallway? Like that's, that's literally punishable by death. And he did it downstairs touching her hand. How much worse is this? My God, escalation, right? But like he can't not do it it is worth it to him to take the risk that he could be killed to kiss her i love that they kiss until they're breathless they need he needs to stop and like gasp for air because he forgot to fucking breathe when he was kissing her so hard and i love how she tries to fight it she's like it only makes it worse kind of like like this isn't gonna help anything i'm just gonna miss you more and in the script he says i know i'm sorry and he does it anyway you know like and her hands
3: too like you could see in her hands, she has to fight it She hesitates and then she puts her hands in his hair and then she's just pulling him into her. Like you could see the progression of her
4: letting go. I always see a moment where they literally just like light on fire. It's like, it's like, it's like one, two, three. There's this beat where they're both, it looks like they're in fucking bed again. Like they're moving as though they're right back where they were the day before i don't know what she's doing with her hands everyone can kind of they go
3: under his it. jacket you could see like and that's
4: when he's top. like that's when his mouth is just like open they're just like animals <laughs> nick gets totally wrecked by kissing june june has to
2: stop it <laughs> she has to like steady herself on the wall too she's got
4: yeah yeah they're both fucked up they're in trouble those kids they're they've caught feelings they're in trouble we all saw his that
3: eyes cool. though like i the thing that i love is how first of all he pushes her against the wall which is like really sexy but also you know he's be, he's being dominant right but then he pauses and he basically gives her time to like walk away or stop it if she wants to which again ties into how he was at the end of episode five right mm-hmm. and then but then just the way he looks at her like his mm-hmm. eyes are i mean you could feel Feel the fire coming out yeah. of his eyes.
2: Yeah, but like, show me kiss better than that. No, that's my, yeah, of all time.
3: Even though it's hot and lustful
1: and, and sexy and all that, there's just so much more to it. Like, you know, sometimes you see people kissing and you just know they want to fuck and get it over with. That's not what you see, like, at least Mm-mm. me. I've never seen that when they're together no. in any of those scenes, even in the hotter ones, without spoiling much, like, even when there's this whole maybe dirtiness to it or you know because he's pushing her against the wall it's like a different theme to it it's still there's like more in the kiss like I don't know if it's the way they you know the chemistry or the way it's acted or what we perceive but it's just amazing because it's not just I want to fuck you like that's not what's written in that scene when you see it
3: I think it's the Nick Blaine gentleness coming out though like I think I mentioned this in the last episode of the podcast where they're you know their sex scene where like she's raking her hands like on his ass and on his back. And he kind of, he does that to her. Like when she gets on top, he kind of like mm-hmm. digs his fingers in two, But mm-hmm. then they have those gentle moments like where he captures her hand. And that that's just like the Nick Blaine gentleness coming out that I think no matter how hot or like raw or carnal it seems, yes. there's it's still tough. like, you can sense the, the care from the both of them, really. You can feel... Mm-hmm
4: not just the lust, but you can feel the love, you know? Right, like the word that always comes to mind is like worship. If you were gonna kiss someone that was perfect, you might pause to like, be like, God, your fucking lip is perfect, you know? like. And that's the level of detail he's experiencing her with. It's not casual, it's not surface level or superficial. It is like love, it is deep admiration, worship of her whole person, exactly. Um, And that's
3: what he did. And that's what he did in episode five, because the whole sex scene was worship. And Max actually said, in an interview, um, someone at they asked him about filming that scene. And he said, like, that scene has nothing to do with me. It's all her and he's like, she's the focus. And his comment is exactly how I saw the scene. Like, he's worshiping her in their sex scene when he's pushing her against the wall when he's touching her fingers, like, he it just oozes out of him you know
2: yep so then she does go to fred's office telling her <sighs> and he's rambling on about like he's so angry about did you see the way they looked at us like we were fucking freaks who are they to judge us and she's completely ignoring him and he notices uh-huh. which is strange because he's very unaware and she's making the word skin i think on the scribble mm-hmm. on her scrubber. yeah he asked her to kiss him after he's molested her hand up her body and she like pecks him distastefully and then he says like you mean it
3: well before that though he kicks he basically kicks her out mm-hmm. right Time she's not attention and he's mad so then she turns on her like fake manipulation mm-hmm. charm with fred which again i feel like is she's coming off this high with nick and again he's give, without even saying a word just by touching her like he's giving her that power now where she feels like like you could see her face change like she's pissed off rolling her eyes And then she's like smiling and turning around and starting her manipulation stuff again, you know? And then he asks her to kiss him after he creepily touches her after she just got touched in a much better way, like minutes before this, you know?
0: I think it's also interesting that the scene when she's kissing Fred, it's very blurry, which makes me think that she's trying to dissociate Mm -hmm. in that moment, like Mm -hmm. she's not fully there. She's trying to be somewhere
3: else. I noticed too that Fred like runs his finger on her lip which Nick had just done I
4: have never I, seen that and
3: I, I didn't I, notice I to
4: take that back
3: <laughs> I know I know I caught that because I was like because I, I was studying the episode huh. and I'm like and he just touches her lips and I'm like oh god like Nick just did that and I felt like it was really such a contrast between the two scenes because mm. first he touches her and she's obviously creeped out as are all of us But when Nick just touched her, we're all just, like, sweating and panting, right? Mm -hmm,
4: mm -hmm. So then Fred touches her lip.
3: Yeah, Fred touches her lip, and he's so creepy about it, too. Like, it's not even, like, in a sexy way. So it's like... Not that he is.
4: It's just like the June Serena symmetry throughout the episode of, like, woman's power. This is, like, man's power. and Well,
3: that's why I think it's showing the men, how these men are affecting these women. And again, Nick gives June power where... Fred basically takes Serena's
2: power, you know? That's what I think this episode is about. I think that's why it's named this. I think that in both of these couples that are being compared, Fred and Serena and Nick and June, the woman is the alpha, the woman is the power. And in Nick and June, he accepts that and he loves it and it works and it's great. And then with Fred and Serena, he's trying to shut that down and now they're miserable because they're not actually accepting the true power dynamics.
3: And that's why we love Nick so much because... That's how he is, you know. So Uh far, like he always, he's totally 100% cool with letting her have the power. Like, you know, where Fred obviously cannot stand when a woman has power.
2: Well, I think he was happier when she did, and then as well, now he can't stand it. But yeah, but yes, now he can't stand it, and now he's miserable as Uh -uh. and he can't even get it up because like he does have sex with her this time, and she's on top. Like that is the only.
4: Oh my god! Right. He is only turned on by empowered women. Whoops. They fucked that up bad, dude. (laughs) And that's what's so funny is like they have perverted nature. So like the natural way is the end of one five. Obviously that's what love should look like. Whereas they made all these fucking rules about like, we know better than God. We know better than man. We know better than individuals. We know better than nature. I just realized there's a parallel here with the ambassador scene in the study where we watch June's natural reaction to what's happening. And then we also get to see her playing along. So like, you know, so in this one, like Fred's like, it's a privilege to be here get out she's like fuck you bye I was leaving already motherfucker you know she's like out the door then you see her she walks to the door the camera's on her face and she puts on her mask and she's like I would I would like to stay I'd like to be good and and he says sweet girl which is like a reward and and what does she literally have to do from there is like scrub it out of her tongue till she That's
1: bleeds love
2: yeah.
1: oh, she bleeds yeah yeah, yeah.
4: <sighs>
2: you also so. see that you also notice that the mirror is missing in that scene maybe maybe we noticed before i don't remember I mentioning that, it because they've removed the mirror mm-hmm. anyway
3: More i just mirrors. thought about that then that's another scene that with blood and water in this episode she's yep. brushing her teeth and like then you see the blood in the sink, it and it's washing away oh wow that's powerful <laughs> <laughs>
2: Then they go to the dinner, and Janine is really excited about the dinner, and Serena comes in for our inspections and tells Lydia to please remove the damaged ones. So that means those people that we have tortured body parts out of ah. are minimal comments. Ah. Yeah, it's awful. It's so horrible, and and it's worse that Janine is, you know, so the funny. only one that's excited about it. She's like a little girl at a party. Yeah, it, it's...
0: You can see they were June, like, closes her eyes when... They call Janine's name to step forward to mm-hmm. be taken out like June knows that how much this means that's to her so that, yeah, that was just really sad
4: because Janine so is sad. a good girl she does she's the sweet girl she plays along she's been she she wants to be good for them yeah. and mm-hmm. like, the defect is not her fault but then and that's Lydia and Ann's out in that moment that always blew my mind was it ice cream or something she's like bribes her she's like dessert, dessert. yeah a whole, mm-hmm. a whole plate of dessert mm-hmm and you can tell in that moment, like Lydia's not all bad. Yeah, she's almost like a mom yeah. or like a teacher. Or something. She sees it, and she see- just you know, and she does something. She's like, "I'll give you a reward for suffering this." I'm sorry. Well,
3: she and tried she- to defend them to Serena, and Serena's yeah. like, "Fuck that! Like, I don't want that." Which again, Fred had said to Serena when the ambassador left the living room, like when they were first at the house, that Serena will make it perfect. So I feel like this is Serena coming in, and she had first of all, what well, flashback? She had you know, call June to her bedroom before that to tell June, like, make sure she looks good. So now here she is with the rest of the handmaids, checking them out to make sure they look good. Now you have Fred in her head saying she's going to make it perfect. So she's literally pulling out the
4: imperfect handmaids, just like washing the blood off the wall. You know, companies come in, you gotta, you can't show like, cause they might ask about this. Where is your eye? Was that, were you born with that? Is that a birthmark? Um, oh no! They took it out when I talked about training. Like the, first, the
2: very first time I said anything, and yeah. I
3: think she actually said, "Don't put the
2: bruised apples at the
4: top of the crate."
2: So yeah. like, she literally yeah. comparing them so to cool. bruised as, fruit, as though
4: extracting one's eye in punishment is bruising an apple. Right.
2: And she For even reason. Janine asks, "You promise?" And Aunt Lydia says, "Cross my heart, hope to die." So I mean, and she kisses her missing eye. Like she's being sweet
4: like genuine right that's not put on unlike serena with the images like like aunt lydia actually has a good heart for these girls when they behave
1: Mm -hmm. what's really sad is once the children come out you see the parallel of these you know people that agree with the system being all happy and the ambassador
4: is in cloud nine with children laughing smiling playing Mm -hmm. running to their not captors their parents Friends, the point is, they did it and it was very chilling because you know that they actually convinced these outsiders that the handmaids are happy and the children and volunteering are to do this. Maybe it's not that bad, they're gonna go back to the outside world and go, Yeah, we actually stayed there for weeks and um, we didn't see any signs of human rights abuses. But you see the
1: faces of the handmaids looking to yeah. see they see their children, yeah, and they're frozen because they know they can't do anything about it. Like, imagine you know being in that position where you look to the side and and you see your baby and you can't do anything about it and like the camera zooms to their faces you know and you can see all of them kind of thinking the same thing which is it was a really chilling scene to watch
4: it's cruel It was like one of the coolest things i think very (laughs) cool in the show stomach just sinks you're just like oh god it's the same thing like in birthday you know that moment where all the women you're seeing the grief like the moment where they take the baby hurts and the moment where the children are paraded around as this victory this product of gilead this good thing that there's my kidnapped child in someone else's arms it's grief it sucks and, and we experience that with them because again the handmade actors are fucking incredible
3: And then they zoom in on Serena's face and, like, she looks serene. Like, that's the first time she looks happy in the whole episode. Like, ooh, I won. Mm -hmm. Like, I got to do a speech, which I thought was funny when she did the speech. Because Fred and Warren, like, looked at her kind of like she was crazy at first. Like, what the hell is she doing? But then, so, like, you could tell, though, she's happy because she's getting to speak in front of people. And probably in her head, she's probably like, fuck you, Ambassador. Like, here I am speaking, you know? And then like she sees these happy children and you see the horrified sick looks on the handmaid's face. And then there's Serena, like she looks so blissfully happy and just proud of herself, which again, that shows her evilness
4: really. Yeah, it's like she got her family photo and everyone Mm -hmm. is smiling in the family photo. And therefore she has done her job. She has washed the wall of blood. She has created the image of domestic femininity. She won in that moment.
2: Yeah, her,
3: my- the the job that Fred gave her of being perfect. Well, there you go. She just got her perfect moment. So.
2: And then my favorite Handmaid, played by Nina Carey, as usual, just being blunt and saying, "Looks like the water. Looks like Waterford's gonna get his trade deal." And June's being like so naive. She's still like, "I don't get it. What are they trading? <laughs> <sighs> they're trading us, dummy. They're trading. Or they're trading red tags. They want to trade us, dummy."
3: I thought. I mean, Elizabeth Moss. She's just she's so good. And like when when Alma Amazing. tells her that. look on her face god she i'm just watching it i'm like she just this is why she deserves the emmy because she's so good but like she you could you could see june thinking like fuck like this is this is now not just like raping us and taking our babies but this is legit human trafficking where I could be shipped to a different country. Like, I feel like as a Internationally
2: handma- sanctioned, basically. Yeah. Right, and I feel like yeah. as a
3: handmaid, you're thinking, my life is awful. I can't imagine how much worse, how much worse could it get? You're raped monthly. You're forced to be pregnant and then have your child ripped away from you. Your original children were ripped away from you. So I feel like as a handmaid, you're thinking, how much worse could this get? And now it's like, oh wait, this could get way well, worse.
4: That's why June is so upset. And that's why she goes back over to Nick's house to like process that, and like she needs a, an ear, she needs someone to fucking listen for a minute, because she would have been okay with the little white lie that yeah I found some happiness here, and it wasn't really a lie because it's Nick and that's true, but then all of a sudden she's like oh my god I'm gonna be an international sex slave what the actual fuck and I told them that was cool mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. yeah you're right absolutely yeah, yeah. Oh, I that's true.
4: facilitated that shit for my sister's life I have to the rest of the world yeah. I didn't, so, so, I didn't so she, what, at that moment, that's right. So, because I was in in my mind, I was like, she got really upset all of a sudden. But that makes sense. It was that that uh, mic drop from the other handmaid. You know.
2: Yeah, that actually confused me recently when I was just thinking about it. I had not rewatched it yet, and I was like, What wow, I think the kiss is in between her admitting, her lying to the ambassador and, right, and that explains it, I think you're right, like, because I was like, wait, why didn't she go to his apartment upset It's not before? just a lie
4: about her. But you're right. It was and a lie that all well, my sisters are okay and On an we're international not. scale, yeah. yeah.
0: And she was probably well, the only handmaid that would have had that opportunity to talk to Jesus, the
4: ambassador. Imagine, I get it now, because now there's an urgency. Like, mm-hmm. I need to talk to her. I need to tell her, yeah. because it's not just me. And it's not, yeah. it does matter, you know. Yeah.
2: So then we go to another flashback. What are your plans for the day? I'm going to make this place a home. So they've moved into this house and Nick's like taking the box of her heels and her books out. And then you flash to now after the embassy success and Fred's like finally touching Serena affectionately and calling her an amazing woman and like valuing her as powerful again. And that's what turns them on. And then they have sex and she's on top, and again, like that is how he gets off. Like this is their best situation, their best power situation, their best. You know, this is this is them. She's powerful. He is into it, accepting of her alpha, yeah, and he's into it, and it's great, and they have great sex, and so this is like obviously how it should be. This is their organic uh-huh. power situation, and Gilead has told them that that's not okay but they have this moment where you can see it you can see how their relationship would work if they would have allowed it to be organic
0: so I want to say something about June coming to Nick I know that um, some of the other people within the Handmaid's Tale community thought that Nick was being very insensitive towards her when he was offering her a drink of water but I really did not view it like that I viewed it as he recognized that she wasn't comfortable with him physically touching her in that moment and he decided to give her some space and the water was the excuse so yeah i i interpret it vastly differently from other people who also watch the show and then i also thought i think this is the very first time that the word that june at least uses the word rape i'm not 100 percent sure but i think it I think it's very powerful that she actually uses the word rape um, with Nick and just has verbally says it to him.
4: Because Nick has made a safe space where she can be her real self and use her real voice and think and process what is happening to her. Yes. She finds that word. Yeah. In Nick Blaine's presence because he allows her that safety. She goes, it's rape. And then she goes to the ambassador and then she has a word to tell her. Yeah. Right.
3: But you're yeah. right that it's her safe space because also she says like, fuck you, Nick, and hits him. And he's still, again, the his apartment is her safe space, but he is too because he doesn't even react. Mm-hmm. He doesn't even look pissed. He's just like, yeah, you do, you vent, let it all out. Like, I don't get raped all the time. So I have no opinion on this, you know? It's like, it doesn't even cross his mind to like, think about his own feelings in that moment. Like, it's truly like, she's saying these things to him he just he doesn't care like he's not he takes himself out of it because it's yeah it's self-love
4: yeah, it's, on, it's, love. it's non yeah. if he doesn't need anything back he exists to love her love is a verb for him it is not a noun for fred love would be a noun it's something he can have and take and get
0: mm-hmm.
4: yeah the other thing i love here is june says her real name talk about finding a meaningful oh powerful word mm-hmm. and identity in the presence of nick blaine he's oh. like it is treason to say this and I'm on your team. You are. Mm -hmm.
3: Yes. The trust building that's been happening like progressively in each episode. And this was another powerful moment in their relationship where, I mean, the last episode he tells her he's an I, which is huge. And here's another thing. She's telling him her name, which is huge. And he's recognizing it.
2: Yeah. And I, I I just really love the scene for so many reasons because it's the first time she really like yells at him. You know mm-hmm. and he's fully like i can do this for you i can you know yeah. let you just vent and hit me and i mean she doesn't hit you but he would let her you mm-hmm. know whatever just take it all out on me because i will do anything i can and all i can do for you right now is absorb your blows you know oh, and he reads her question- body language so well though like you said marigold like the like just a slight movement towards her she he can tell she slightly moves back and he's like all right she doesn't want to be held yet
0: mm-hmm.
2: uh i'm gonna give her space do you want a glass of water sure gets the glass of water walks back and sense that okay wait now she is accepting of like she wants me to like physically hold her and mm-hmm. and he and he takes i love how he like palms like, mm-hmm. her you know the back of her head and yeah. holds her and kisses her forehead first which i never saw oh for my- like the first three years of re-watching this <laughs>
4: strokes her um, with his thumb and my other thing about the glass so of water i'm not sure if all of our listeners have had panic attacks i've had panic attacks as recently as last week um it is very grounding for someone to offer you a glass of water. Mm -hmm. It really is. I mean, true. Like if if I, if I was coming upon someone, it puts you back in the physical moment. You have to kind of Mm -hmm. concentrate. You have to hold the glass. You have to drink it. It takes you out of whatever's happening in your head, which is her being raped by Fred. So like Mm -hmm. actually Nick Blaine panic attack management, a plus gold star.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. But I think also he's, I think he's also doing that because he's trying to give her a minute to like, gather herself like mm-hmm. let's take a time out i'm gonna step over here to try to do something to help you but you like calm down and then you see like her face mm-hmm. like you can see her actually fighting with herself like mm-hmm. should i say it i want to say it should i do it i'm gonna do it you know
2: mm-hmm. And then it's just like, pre-Gilead, it's nice to meet you, June, you know? He's always talking to her, like, it's pre-Gilead, like, they're dating, and I like that. Which,
3: again, I feel like is another one of those, like, normal couple moments. Yeah, exactly. Like, in this whole, actually, this whole episode, each scene had, like, a little, little tiny moment of normalcy. Mm -hmm. I also like
0: that he never asked June for her name, because he knew that that was taboo. Like, he waited for her to
4: tell him. You guys are gonna make me fall in love with this character you're already
2: in love you can't fool us yeah, uh, yeah you know I that actually she- bothered me that bothered me that he didn't know her name by then oh really no, it I like, bothered I like me in a
3: way it. no but now we understand why it's true. we don't want to put her in danger too because that's dangerous to admit that like oh, well, if you're gonna admit some, she should be the one making that choice not him she also
1: doesn't knock like that's the other thing that i was gonna add she doesn't mm-hmm. knock she just barges in which also Real. is mm-hmm. is a sense of trust. And, um, you know, sometimes when you're having a moment, like at least for me, like I don't think I've ever experienced a panic attack. I'm pretty sure I know if I'd experienced it, but, you know, I've had moments. You would know.
2: You would know. You would know. Thank <laughs> you.
1: You know, I've had moments where I've been, I've, I know I've been closed, you know, but anyway, like I personally, if I'm crying or if I'm having a moment, I don't like people to come and hug me. Just that's just my nature. Like totally. I don't, I'm very like a cat. So, you know, I understand like the glass of water is just, you know, trying to give her space and she moves back. She hints that she doesn't want to be touched in that moment. And he got it. You know, usually people don't get it. Most men don't get it. They just want to, oh, come here. Let me hug you. Let me make you feel better. And that's not what you want.
2: Yeah. I'm the same way, Scarlett. Uh, So then she's in the kitchen and the Mexican ambassador says, are you going on one of your walks? Like it's lovely. (laughs) I wanted to give you a gift to thank you for your candor. And I think that's what set her off. It was the last straw. Like, I can't, I can't let you leave here and think that Yeah. i was being candid with you, right? And she says, but you don't understand. I lied to you. This is a brutal place. We're prisoners. If we run, they'll try to kill us, or worse, they beat us. They use cattle bras to try to get us to behave. If we're caught reading, they cut off a finger. Second offense, just the whole hand. They gouge out our eyes. They just maim us in the worst ways that you can imagine. They rape me, just every month, whenever I might be fertile. And then the ambassador's, like, totally taken aback, which is absurd, because June has- on her face portrayed this entire time that you know i'm miserable but yes i will say the words that i'm supposed to say in front of you but she's a woman you know the ambassador's a woman she she must understand deep in her soul she was supposed to
1: understand yeah you see in the ambassador's face you know that she's horrified by what you're saying But then she turns around and she justifies it. Like in her country, there hasn't been a birth in, I guess, five years. I don't remember. And that's and there it goes again. That's the justification of a quote unquote greater good. Better is not better for everyone else. Bullshit that they're trying to sell on everybody. And then what the student says, we're human
3: beings. And, you know, like she gets June gets ballsy because she gets in her face.
2: Like, what are you mm-hmm.
1: fucking
3: trading us for? And it's powerful too. like when the ambassador says my country is dying and June says my country is already dead. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like that's like yeah. a gut punch like ugh. again like you can't. It's like it's like in June's head. She's thinking you can't one up me like,
4: sorry, my situation sucks more than yours. Miss politician, you know, the ambassador thinks that she is on a path to freedom somehow and the maintenance of her culture. June is like, you are inviting a fascist predator state into your place. They will take over. They will consume you and there'll be nothing left.
2: So she leaves, she does not, yeah, she doesn't tell Fred what's happening. I mean, it's very obvious what's happening anyway, when Fred walks in, but you know. But of course he doesn't pick whatever. up on it because he's yes. it, so. he
3: doesn't.
2: Uh, and then leave, and then her assistant is immediately like, I want to help you. I know where, or I don't know where your daughter is, but I think I can get a message to your husband. And she said, my husband's dead," and he says, Lucas Lucas Bankville born... 29 April 1980 from Nyack, formerly New York State. He's alive. She says, no, I heard shots. And he's like, we don't have much time. Please, June, write something. I'll try to get it to him. I love the music playing over the scene. I just, I really, really love this. And um, and yeah, obviously this is a humongous revelation.
4: Her, Luke is alive. I think what I like the most is it ends on a triumphant note. It's such a devastating episode. Mm-hmm. It's back and forth. It's like hope. Uh, despair hope, despair. hope yeah. despair and then we end on hope thank god it's like okay so like loose alive maybe we can somehow find hannah's in the future and also i was seen the rebels saw me she felt like mm-hmm. she had lied and betrayed her sisters and done a disservice to women she, and, yes and she was seen so they did see her sadness in the room with the ambassador they did see they do know that she's getting raped. Like the outsiders, help will be coming. It's a beautiful note of hope.
3: And you know, it's funny because I didn't, I never paid attention to that guy much until like that Mm -hmm. part where he gives her the information about Luke. But then when I rewatched it and he had asked her like in Fred's office, what's your real name? I'm like, oh, I wonder if he's like, watch, looking back, I'm like, I wonder if he was asking her that because he obviously knows a lot more than, Mm -hmm. yeah, so I feel like he was, I think he was asking her for his own purposes to help her, not, you know, I'm just curious what your name is, you know? And he looks at her for a really long
2: beat when he says under his eye on his way out of the room that time, as if he's trying Mm -hmm. to portray that there's something else going Mm -hmm. on there. So I think that's a good point to wrap our spoiler-free season one, episode six. And if you're a longtime fan, come join us on Wednesday for our deep dive into the same episode. Thanks for joining us.
0: You know, I think about us, the three of us, what we could be. I think about
3: it all the time. Please, it's dear. No, it's not. I know Jim. She's my friend. I care about her. How's your day going? You look pretty.
0: Thanks. I weren't just for you.
1: Her father's a driver named Nick. He helped me to survive. Yes, you can, because I can't lose you. I'm
2: not going to let anything
0: happen to you.
1: What about you? Your
4: girlfriend is a badass.